Chapter Fourteen of God's Country and the Woman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. God's Country and the Woman by James Oliver Curwood. Chapter Fourteen. In his eagerness to join Josephine, Philip had reached the outer door before it occurred to him that he was without hat or coat and had on only a pair of indoor moccasin slippers. He would still have gone on, regardless of this utter incongruity of dress, had he not known that John Adair would see him through the window. He partly opened the hall door and looked out. Josephine was halfway to the forest. He turned swiftly back to his room, threw on a coat, put his moccasins on over the soft caribou-skinned slippers, caught up his cap, and hurried back to the door. Josephine had disappeared into the edge of the forest. He held himself to a walk until he reached the cover of the spruce. But no sooner was he beyond Adair's vision than he began to run. Three or four hundred yards in the forest he overtook Josephine. He had come up silently in the soft snow, and she turned, a little startled, when he called her name. "'You, Philip!' she exclaimed, the color deepening quickly in her cheeks. "'I thought you were with father in the big room.' She had never looked lovelier to him. From the top of her hooded head to the hem of her short skirt, she was dressed in a soft and richly glowing red. Her eyes shone gloriously this morning, and about her mouth there was a tenderness and a sweetness which had not been there the night before. The lines that told of her strain and grief were gone. She seemed like a different Josephine now, confessing in this first thrilling moment of their meeting that she too had been living in the memory of what had passed between them a few hours before and yet in the gentle welcome of her smile there was a mingling of sadness and of pathos that tempered philip's joy as he came to her and took her hands my josephine he cried softly she did not move as he bent down again he felt the warm sweet thrill of her lips he would have kissed her again have clasped her close in his arms but she drew away from him gently i am glad you saw me and followed philip she said, her clear, beautiful eyes meeting his. It is a wonderful thing that has happened to us, and we must talk about it. We must understand. I was on my way back to the pack. Will you come? She offered him her hand, so childishly confident, so free of her old restraint now, that he took it without a word and fell in at her side. He had rushed to her tumultuously. On his lips had been a hundred things that he wanted to say. He had meant to claim her in the full ardour of his love, and now, quietly, without effort, she had worked a wonderful change in him. It was as if their experience had not happened yesterday, but yesteryear, and the calm, sweet yielding of her lips to him again, the warm pressure of her hand, the illimitable faith in him that shone in her eyes, filled him with emotions which, for a space, made him speechless. It was as if some wonderful spirit had come to them while they slept so that now there was no necessity for explanation or speech. In all the fullness of her splendid womanhood, Josephine had accepted his love, and had given him her own in return. Every fibre in his being told him that this was so, and yet she had uttered no word of love, and he had spoken none of the things that had been burning in his soul. They had gone but a few steps when Josephine paused, close to the fallen trunk of a huge cedar. With her mittened hands she brushed off the snow, seated herself, and motioned Philip to sit beside her. "'Let us talk here,' she said, and then she asked, a little anxiously, 
"'You left my father believing in you, in us?' "'Fully,' replied Philip. "'He took her face between his two hands and turned it up to him. "'Her fingers clasped his arms, "'but they made no effort to pull down the hands "'that held her eyes looking straight into his own. "'He believes in us,' he repeated. "'And you, Josephine, you love me?' "'He saw the tremulous forming of a word on her lips, "'but she did not speak.' A deeper glow came into her eyes. Gently, her fingers crept to his wrists. She took his hands down from her face and drew him near to the seat at her side. "'Yes, Philip,' she said. Then, in a voice so low and calm that it roused a new sense of fear in him, "'There can be no sin in telling you that, after last night, for we understand each other now. It has filled me with a great strange happiness. Do you remember what she said to me in the canoe? It was this.' In spite of all that may happen, I will receive more than all else in the world could give me, for I have known you, and you will be my salvation. Those words have been ringing in my heart, night and day. They are there now, and I understand them. I understand you. Hasn't someone said that it is better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all? Yes, it is a thousand times better. The love that is lost is often the love that is sweetest and purest, and leads you nearest heaven. Such is Jean's love for his lost wife. Such must be your love for me. And when you are gone, my life will still be filled with the happiness which no grief can destroy. I did not know these things until last night. I did not know what it meant to love as Jean must love. I do now. And it will be my salvation up in these big forests, just as you have said that it will be yours down in that other world to which you will go. He had listened to her like one stricken by a sudden grief. He understood her even before she had finished, and his voice came in a sudden, broken cry of protest and of pain. "'Then you mean that after this you will still send me away? After last night? It is impossible. You have told me, and it makes no difference, except to make me love you more. Become my wife. We can be married secretly, and no one will ever know.' My God, you cannot drive me away now, Josephine. It is not justice. If you love me, it is a crime. In the fierceness of his appeal, he did not notice how his words were driving the color from her face. Still, she answered him calmly, in her voice a strange tenderness. Strong in her faith in him, she put her hands to his shoulders and looked into his eyes. Have you forgotten? she asked gently. Have you forgotten all that you promised and all that I told you? There has been no change since then, no change that frees me. There can be no change. I love you, Philip. Is it not more than you expected? If one can give one's soul away, I give mine to you. It is yours for all eternity. Is it not enough? Will you throw that away, because my body is not free? Her voice broke in a dry sob, but she still looked into his eyes, waiting for him to answer, for the soul of him to ring true and he knew what must be. His hands lay clenched between them. Jean seemed to rise up before him again at the gravesides, and from his lips he forced the words. Then there is something more than the baby? Yes, she replied, and dropped her hands from his shoulders. There is that of which I warned you, something which you could not know if you lived a thousand years. He caught her to him now, so close that his breath swept her face. "'Josephine, if it was the baby alone, you would give yourself to me? You would be my wife?' "'Yes.' 
Strength leaped back into him, the strength that made her love him. He freed her and stood back from the log, his face ablazen with the old fighting spirit. He laughed and held out his arms without taking her. "'Then you have not killed my hope,' he cried. His enthusiasm, the strength and sureness of him as he stood before her, sent the flush back into her own face. She rose and reached to one of his outstretched hands with her own. "'You must hope for nothing more than I have given you,' she said. "'A month from today you will leave Adair House, and you will never return.' "'A month?' He breathed the words as if in a dream. Yes, a month from today you will go off on a snowshoe journey. You will never return, and they will think that you have died in the deep snows. You have promised me this, and you will not fail me? What I have promised I will do, he replied, and his voice was now as calm as her own. And for one month you are mine. To love as I have given you love, yes. For a moment he folded her in his arms, and then he drew back her hood, so that he might lay a hand on her shining hair, and his eyes were filled with a wonderful illumination as he looked into her upturned face. "'A month is a long time, my Josephine,' he whispered, "'and after that month there are other months, years and years of them, and through years, if it must be, my hope will live. You cannot destroy it, and some day, somewhere, you will send word to me. Will you promise to do that?' If such a thing becomes possible, yes. Then I am satisfied, he said. I am going to fight for you, Josephine. No man ever fought for a woman as I am going to fight for you. I don't know what this strange thing is that separates us, but I can think of nothing terrible enough to frighten me. I am going to fight, mentally and physically, day and night, until you are my own. I cannot lose you now. That will be what God never meant to be. I shall keep all my promises to you. You have given me a month, and much can happen in that time. If at the end of the month I have failed, I will go. But you will not send me away, for I shall win. So sure was he, so filled with the conviction of his final triumph, so like a god to her in this moment of his greatest strength, that Josephine drew slowly away from him, her breath coming quickly her eyes filled with the star-like pride and glory of the woman who has found a master. For a moment they stood facing each other in the white stillness of the forest, and in that moment came to them the low and mourning wail of a dog beyond them, and then the full voice of the pack burst through the wilderness, a music that was wild and savage, and yet through which there ran a strange and plaintive note for Josephine. "'They have caught us in the wind,' she said, holding out her hand to him. Come, Philip, I want you to love my beasts. End of chapter 14